Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A love of cars. A love of people. A devastating accident. Memories lost, knowledge gained. This week on Tempest, powered by Jalopnik. I'm David Obachowski, and welcome to Tempest, powered by Jalopnik, a series that explores our hilarious, heartbreaking, and complicated relationships with cars. On this episode of Tempest, we've all had defining moments in our lives. Good, bad, victorious, frightening. Whatever they are, we can remember them so crystal clearly. But what if it turned out that one of the most defining moments in your life wasn't at all like you remembered it? That's exactly what happened to 60-year-old Stephen Weber. Test, test. Keep talking. Test. Okay. How you doing, Steve? Good. Good. You're doing good? Yep. We're just going to test microphone levels right now. So, Alrighty. So just uh, what day is it today? I have no idea. What day? <laughs> <laughs> Let me think your... <laughs> Failed the first question. <laughs> I think it's Tuesday. It's uh, In fact, it's Monday. It is Monday. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I originally wrote about Stephen Weber for Jalopnik in the summer of 2017. Stephen's my neighbor, and he has a pretty sweet 1968 Camaro RS SS with a 396. He's had the car for nearly 45 years now, and for most of his life, it was the only tie he had to his father. This clip you're about to hear is from my original set of interviews back in the late spring of 2017. I asked him to tell me how he came to buy the Camaro in the first place. Okay, do you want me to go back before I got the car, what I was driving? or would I? Yeah, well, however far you want to go. Well, what I, what I could do is I would just say that I had a, I had a, a hand-me-down from my brother, a 66 Impala, and that was my first car. My first uh, experience of driving it back in then, that was 73, that I was, uh, I would, I would, on the farm, I would jack it up and put two by four between between the coil springs and the back to jack it up. And it's funny because I remember that, and it's like coming back to where when I would drive into town, and everybody back then wanted their cars jacked up. And so I would drive into town with it, but by the time I hit the, tra- the rail tracks on uh, Highway 66 coming into Longmont, it, it would knock a couple of them loose or so. By the time I got down on Main Street, the car was kind of off, off-centered and kind of leading one way. And it was kind of funny looking back what we did back then, kind of a— Kind of a redneck kind of thing from the farm. But anyway, the Camaro thing, that that 66 Impala, it ended up having to overheat in the motor. I overheated it one time going to a football game with some friends. I love listening to Stephen talk. He's one of these people who has endless great car stories. They're never boastful. They're almost always self-deprecating. He's got a killer Camaro, a 55 Willys, a 57 Bel Air, and a 71 Chevy pickup with a four on the floor. Yet he's never bragging. He's never showing off. I was looking for a car, and I and I was already searching, and I was looking, and I already found one that was uh, up there on 17th and Main, uh, sitting in a parking lot, and it was a 68 GTO, and it was a GOAT and everything. It was a nice car, and I I really wanted that one. That's what I wanted, and I 
and they wanted $1,800 for it. Yeah, believe me, not $1,800. And this is 73. And so I said, well, I got to get a loan for $1,800. But he didn't get a loan for the goat. Here's why. And I was working at a gas station. A couple days later, I'm at work, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, this Camaro comes driving into the islands, and, and I look over, and it, it just seemed so out of out of weird, out of out of didn't picture didn't match the car, and it's like this is my dad behind the wheels, and my dad never showed really interest in cars that much, and that, you know that kind of stuff. I kind of went over. I said, "What's what do you got here?" And he said, "This is a this car is for sale." I saw it, and I thought I'd drive it over and see if you wanted this. And I know you're looking for it. And I said, well, I'm looking at that goat. And he said, well, well this is $1,200. And I said, $1,200? Okay. Hmm. I could probably get a loan better for $1,200 than $1,800. So, uh, so I said, you know what? I think I'll go this route. And I really, I liked the Camaro, but it was really, I, I, liked, I liked the goat. But then I, I said, man, this is kind of cool. My dad brought this car in here. And I just kind of was just kind of out of the ordinary. Because, you know, I've really never really had a connection with my dad growing up. It just, we just never really connected too much as far as, you know, having a close relationship. So when he did that, it was his way of kind of reaching out to me. And I just kind of took the Camaro and I ended up, the story was, I ended up going to get a loan for it and purchasing it in 1973 uh, for $1,200. <laughs> so Stephen's dad didn't buy him the Camaro. All he did was point it out to him. But that was enough for Stephen, who desperately craved a connection with his emotionally distant father. Instead of buying the GTO, he went out, got a loan, and bought the Camaro, and he's held on to it ever since. This is the way it is with Stephen. Throughout his life, there's always a car or a truck. And more than mere vehicles, they are symbols. They are connections. They have been the things that have helped him through some of his most challenging times, the things he calls his trials. I think everybody everybody could sit here in this chair and tell you of things in their own life. Everybody, Everybody's gone through trials. But I know growing up, I had, I had a disability, uh, not really a bad disability. I mean, I had, a, I had a speech problem. I couldn't talk. When I was young, my brother and I were playing, and I got kicked in the mouth, and it almost cut my tongue off. And so in my early days in elementary school, I was made fun of, and I stuttered, and I had low self-esteem. I, I had learning disabilities. I couldn't focus. I just I was just lost, and I just it was, it was a tough time growing up. And I, and I, I had a family, you know, that I loved very much, and that was there, but I didn't have a connection with my father like I, I, I would like to have. That some trials, and then uh, just, just some things, you know, that you go through. Uh, you know, like my sister getting murdered in '92. Uh, I would say if something pops out, my sister was murdered, and we went through that stuff. And then, was even two years later, that my wife's daughter, my stepdaughter, was killed in a car accident in '18. So I've been through in and out depression most of my life uh, since 92. And then there was another event, a big one, an event that still affects Stephen every day, even after nearly 40 years. When we come back from the break, we'll hear Stephen tell it in his own words.
Here's Stephen from our original set of interviews describing what happened in 1981 in Longmont, Colorado, right after he got out of the Air Force. He was 23, newly married, father to a one-year-old daughter. I was driving my old 52 Chevy pickup from work, and uh, I was working at a, uh, at a tire place as a front-end mechanic, and I was heading out west of town to go home. We, had, we, were, having a, we were living out west of Longmont. And I was going down there, and I was going across the Hoover. Back then, it was just uh, two uh, flashing red lights on Nelson, and in '81. And so that was uh, that was going home, and I pulled it to go straight, like every day, every other time I did it. And and uh, the car to the right of me pulled in his van, and he blocked my north view, so I couldn't see. So I was just waiting there, and I look over, and he's going like this, waving me through. So I didn't think anything; I just went through, and that's that's the last I remember. And they said that I got hit by two cars and I flew out of the truck uh, in the mid in midair. People said I just was like flying to midair and I landed 20, 30 feet away from the truck on the back of my head on the pavement bouncing off. And that uh, I didn't I didn't really know what happened. I just know that I woke up in the hospital four or five days later and just that's when everybody told me what happened. Nowadays, Stephen struggles with a number of issues. Cognitive memories, depression. I asked Stephen if there's been any kind of formal diagnosis. A close head injury. They call it post-concussion syndrome. Many of these issues were either caused by or have been exacerbated by that horrible car accident. And they think mine's my head injuries are caused by my, all my head injuries are causing a lot of my problems. And it should be noted, he already had a predisposition to memory issues. Remember his father? Well, Stephen lived his life trying but failing to bond with his dad. Even when his sister was killed, he couldn't break through. It was weird because, uh, I don't know, I, I need to share this because it's important. My dad, when my sister died, uh, we're at the house and, and everybody was there. And we're hugging each other and I'm hugging my dad. And I hugged that man and he hugged me. And as he was hugging me, I remember thinking to myself, this is the first time he's ever hugged me to put his arms around me like that. And I didn't want to let go. And then all of a sudden, it's, it's like turning a switch off. He pushed me away and he was done. And I'll never forget that. And I thought, man, what, what is going on with this man? He can't hold on. He can't. He has no emotions. I never really see the guy cry when his mom died. I mean, what is it about this prideful, this German guy here? I mean, what is it about him? I can't, I can't get in his heart. As his father became elderly, dementia set in. But uh, my dad had mental illness. I got to experience it firsthand when he got worse and worse. And he disowned the family. And he wouldn't get help because he thought people were trying to poison him. But Stephen refused to give up. And though it took decades upon decades upon decades, his persistence paid off. And so when he got sick and I would lift him out of the wheelchair and take him to all his appointments and stuff, trying to get him help to try to find the doctor that we could help. And he, I'd lift him out of that wheelchair. And I'd look at his face and he'd be crying. And he'd be just looking at me and he couldn't even talk. Something inside of him started breaking, something in here, and him, the softness that he'd been holding up all these years. And finally, Stephen heard the words he'd been waiting to hear his whole life. In the end, I would say, I love you, Dad. And he would say, I love you. And, it, and, and, it's, and he would have tears in his eyes when he did it. And to remind his father about their past, about their bond, Stephen was sure to drive the Camaro when he visited. I drove it to the house a couple times, and he'd look at it and say it looks nice and unfortunately by this point Stephen's father's health had declined too much for him to be able to go for a ride in the Camaro I wish I would have put him in that car and gave him a ride in it that would have been 
that would have been a great way to uh, finish off the, our memory with that. So from a hereditary standpoint, Stephen was already at a risk for suffering from the same dementia his father did. But then there was that horrible accident in 81, which only complicated things further, though not immediately. In the early 90s, Stephen became a licensed electrician and established his own business called Old Town Electric. When I moved into town, he was well-respected and often recommended. But a few years ago, the cognitive and memory issues started when he was only in his mid-50s. I'm on medication, and it's been two and a half years since I've basically been struggling, struggling with the, what is it, con- con- cognitive decision things. I can't, uh, that's why it was, it's so important that I try to maybe remember this stuff. I've been kind of going over this in my head because I feel like I'm forgetting a lot of things that I, my short-term memory is really bad. He tried powering through, but these issues spelled disaster for his career. Um you were forced to retire because uh, because of them. Is that correct? Yes. Here in Boulder County, Colorado, electricians are required to take a recertification test every three years. It's a test Stevens taken and passed many times. In fact, for many years, he even tutored other electricians on it. But then he told me that when he went to take it three years ago, he couldn't even remember how a circuit worked. This hasn't affected his ability to drive, but he says that's very much a possibility. I don't even want to think about it. I get emotional about it because it's, uh, it's hard enough to not be able to work in the cars like I used to and not be able to, to fix things. It's hard. When he told me this, I couldn't help but think about that car accident. How could someone just wave him into oncoming traffic like that? Did you often think to yourself, God, why did that guy in the van do that to me? I've thought about that over a long time. I have. Was it because the guy was being reckless? Did he honestly think the road was clear? Or was it something worse? Did the mysterious man in the van think it would be somehow funny to put him in danger like that? When we come back, those questions are answered and a whole new set of facts are discovered. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You had this very devastating car accident, and you told me, and I actually have it recorded, uh, last year you had told me your memory of how it had happened. It was the year, if I remember correctly, it was 1981? Yes. Okay, so you're you're in your 52 Chevy pickup? Yep, custom cab. Got to say the custom cab there now. That's, that's important. Five windows. <laughs> <laughs> and so you uh, you come up to the intersection of Nelson and Hover. Yes. And uh, 
So the way that you had originally told it, you said there was a guy in the van blocking your north view. Yes. And then he waved you through. And Stephen proceeded. And that's when he was hit. But then 36 years later, Stephen was at a family barbecue. This was just a few months ago, late fall of 2017. And I ran into my uh, my ex-mother-in-law, and they lived right on the corner where the accident happened. And I, for some reason, I was talking to her just about all the old things. And and I asked her, I said, total reminder about the accident. And she put her both hands over her face like she was just anguished to even think about it. And I said, uh, why are you doing that? She said, why? Because I was there and I witnessed it. And I said, how will you be? How were you there witnessing it? And that's when she told me the story. Stephen's ex-mother-in-law is Jean Hill. Stephen gave me her phone number and I gave her a call. Hello? Hello, is this Jean? It is again. <laughs> Hi, Jean. My name is David Obachowski. With the revelation that Jean witnessed the accident, I wanted to get her side of the story. Let's start here. Um, this, you, you know of the accident that uh, I'm referring to, that Stephen is referring to. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. We were in a huge crew cab, one of the old original ones, a monster. Steve had his little pickup, and we were at the corner of Hover and Nelson Roads. We pulled in to make a right turn onto Hover, and uh, he pulled up beside us at the stop. My daughter played basketball at Niwot, said, hi, see you at the game. And uh, we had a clear to make a right turn, and Steve didn't see a truck, a car coming the other, coming south on Hover. So he couldn't, didn't have clearance, but he pulled out when we did. The car clipped him, spun the truck around, Steve fell out onto the street. After that, we pulled on into our driveway because we lived right there on the corner. My husband ran out to Steve. I jumped in the truck and ran out to get Kathy. I can remember waiting at the hospital, but I can't really fill in anything on it. As it turns out, there was no man in the van. They were in the van. They had a van. In fact, there wasn't even a van. And it wasn't a van. Like I say, it was a monster, old Dodge crew cab. They were great big things. Not, nothing freak-looking like you've got nowadays. <laughs> I mean, it was a it was a construction-type truck, you know. Right. For loggers and stuff. And, I have no recollection, recollection ever talking to them or nothing, but they said that I went to talk to them and they told me about the basketball game that night. And then she waved at me goodbye. I don't know why I thought that they were waving me through. So do you remember well, waving goodbye to him? Well, you may have, because like I said, we'll see you over at the game. And I got hit by a 280Z or some kind of a sports car. It was going south. Well, like I say, he probably, that car was in, in the blind spot behind our truck. It was that huge truck. And I think he just didn't see it. And he thought it was okay to go. I asked Stephen what that's like, finding out more than 35 years later that something happened in an entirely different way than he'd always thought it did. Finding out really what happened, it, it, it relieved me of the fact that somebody would have done that. But knowing the truth, that I was the nod head that went across, and my life was such a hectic state at that time, trying to be a front-end mechanic and, and tire buster and trying to provide for my family and going to school at nights. Uh, you know, I was just constantly just rung out there, and I think I just was in a hurry, and, and I wasn't paying attention. So, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad that I found the truth. It's weird that it had to take since 1981 
to 2017. Do you have to remind yourself, this is how it really happened? Or now that you've been told that, have you adjusted to that new reality very easily? Well, very easily. I, I, you know, there's nothing more important in life to me than truth. And so, you know, if I was misunderstanding something that I've been carrying with me all these years, it, to me, it, it's, it's a relief to know that uh, I heard the story from the person that actually witnessed it. And the truth makes Stephen reflect on how such little things can have such dramatic impacts. You know, it's weird. You look back at it, they waved just to say, we'll see you tonight. You know, there's, a, there's, a, there's always a consequence to a decision, <laughs> whether it be a good or bad. My decision to go forward that day uh, by not paying attention, uh, it, it, cost, it cost a lot. Coming up after the break, an update on Stephen's health and a return to the basics, cars and people. Where are you at now? I ask him this because I truly don't know. I see Stephen all the time, but when we talk, we're almost always talking about cars. And when we talk about cars, Stephen can recall every last detail and spec of a car or truck, whether it's his now, was his 40 years ago, or was something he just saw on the street. Well, I had to, from update to when we last talked, I've had some different medi- medications because I, I tried to get off of medication by myself. Uh, it wasn't the smartest thing to do. I guess when you take medication for a while and you start feeling like you're doing better, you, you kind of feel like, well, I don't maybe need this. And so I started trying to take myself off of medication, just one of them. So I did that, but then I started having problems again. And so then I had to go back on. And so uh, updating from last year, I probably have had some, some bad episodes of depression still. Uh, I have some more memory issues. Daily life has become more of a challenge for Stephen. I have been struggling with focus. Uh, I've been dealing with the foggy brain in the mornings a lot. I don't, I don't just wake up and feel like I'm ready to tackle the world. I do take a while to uh, get my mind thinking. Well, a funny story is, I don't know if I told you this, about getting lost in the movie theater about a month ago that I was at, getting ready to go take a bathroom break in the middle of the movie, and I got lost actually in the theater. I walked around the whole theater and the people in the back probably wonder what in the world is this crazy nut walking on the back roll and walking in front of them and squeezing between them to go around the whole theater. And I had located the emergency door, but I couldn't figure out how to get to the main door. And I, I, I had a panic attack, kind of. And, and I laugh about it now, but it was I actually, first time I've actually realized that how it feels to be out of control. And it's just a movie theater. So I was kind of shocked that that happened. When he tells me this, it reminds me of something that happened right before Christmas. I was on my porch bringing my Christmas tree in through my front door. Stephen pulled up in front of my house in his truck, rolled down the window, and said, What did you say when you saw me? I said, You want me to take it to the land, the the city drop-off, where they have the excess trees after Christmas so that they can they can go ahead and grind them up and recycle them. I thought you were giving me like a hard time. I thought you were ribbing me a little bit. Hey, you want me to go bring that down to the dump kind of thing? And then a, 
a few weeks later, I saw you, and what'd you tell me? Well, I told you that I thought that's what you wanted me to do, that I would do it for you. And then I realized it wasn't even Christmas yet. <laughs> I know. That's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> As you can tell from the laughter, Stephen tries to stay optimistic about things. I'm trying to be positive because I have a, I have a, I think I'm pretty blessed to know that I can still function. I mean, not like I used to, but I can still be involved with doing things, you know, and trying to keep my brain active. And when it comes to doing things and staying active, cars are at the top of his list. And you're still working on cars a little bit here and there? Yes, I'm getting ready to start working on a 65 Chevy this summer to put the motor back in so I can give it to my grandson and his father so they can have a a, a project to do together. 65 Chevy what? Pickup truck, yes. All right. Needs a lot of work, but uh, they said they want to do it for a project, so I'll probably work on getting the motor back in this summer. Kind of a motor are you going to put in it? The same one it came out of. I think it's a 350 Chevy. Um, yeah, three and GM 350. What I find remarkable is not just his ability to work on cars, but that he still has such sharp memories about them. With all the memories, it seems like one of the things that you have the most clear memories about are your stories driving. You talked about, you know, jacking up the jacking up the car with the two by fours. What is it about cars that that is able to cut through the fog for you? Well. I don't know if you ever heard the saying that we're all the same age, just at different times. You know, I think what I I look back in cars is that's been part of my life. And probably the earliest moment of of feeling that pride and that accomplishment and either fixing it up or purchasing it and putting your time and money into it and then to share it with other people and have them have the same desires and excitement that you have. It's a bonding thing that I think it stays with you. Cars have no doubt been a special thing for Stephen over the years. It's not one particular car. It's not a Ford that I love, not a Chevy. It's any car. And and I've always told you in the past that, you know, there's no bad car, any car that you like. If you like, it's a good car. But on the other hand, he was in that horrifying wreck and his stepdaughter was killed in a car accident. Some people who are car people, they just have a lifetime of great car stories where they're just, it's nothing but good stuff. You've got a lifetime of some great car stories, but you've got a lifetime of some really difficult ones. And yet, you just have this love for cars. Yes, I do. I got You know what, though? I, it has to be a continuation of that question. I got a love for cars and people. I, I just get a kick out of people when they explain what they've done to their car and the and the the appreciation they have for what they've built or bought. Uh, you don't have to build the car yourself, but you just, you can buy one that's already done. It doesn't matter to me. I just, I like cars and people. That's what it comes down to for Stephen, cars and people. Put them together, and for Stephen, a man who's trying to hold on to every last bit of information stored in his mind, he sums it up like this. It's like a library of knowledge. Thanks for listening to Tempest, powered by Jalopnik. The show is produced and written by me, David Obachowski, with editorial oversight by Kristen Lee and Patrick George. Mandan Amafidi is the executive director of audio. Music by me, David Obachowski, and my projects, Distant Correspondent and Memory Bias. This episode was mixed by Jamie Colazzo. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Panoply, NPR One, and wherever you get your podcasts. Email us at tempest at jalopnik.com. Drive safe and love your car, especially if it's a 52 pickup, though 
Look twice before you go. on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.